In a strength-based IEP, we focus on the child's strengths, what they can do, what they can't do, which are the unique learning needs that's still there and that's still a part of them, but it's not everything. And then we focus on opportunities. What do we want to do differently? Hi, brave friends. Welcome to today's practical episode with April Rarig. She's going to talk about strengths based IEPs. Have you even heard of that? I don't think I've ever heard of that until recently and certainly never came up in Ryan's IEPs. And I think we've had 17 or 18 by now. It's an IEP that looks at abilities as well as weaknesses. It looks at what students can do, what the team wants them to do next and how strengths might be used to set goals to help address a particular need. We will get into all the things with April. She is a repeat guest because we love her and appreciate her. She's the founder of Rise Educational Advocacy and Consulting. She has over 20 years of experience as a school psychologist, teacher, and parent in the public school setting. With her Build a Better IEP curriculum, April teaches parents and teachers nationwide how to successfully navigate special education from a strength-based perspective. Her unique approach to special education reform promotes team collaboration and communication. She holds a master's degree in education and is a board-certified educate fellow. She completed the prestigious Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates program and is a licensed educational psychologist, certified autism spectrum disorder clinical specialist, and master IEP coach and credentialed teacher. When not passionately advocating for inclusive education, April keeps busy with her adorable pug, Luna, her husband, three sons, and four stepchildren in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to a great conversation. Thanks for listening. Hi, April. Welcome back to Brave Together Podcast. It's so good to be with you here. So excited to be here again, Jessica. Also, I think since the last time that we spoke, a lot has changed business-wise for you. Maybe share with our audience. Yes. So now I am offering parent IEP coaching for families that are interested, and I'm offering group trainings. So if you're a member of a nonprofit or a school or an organization, and you would love to have me help support your children or students, that's what I do. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. And at the end, we'll make sure we tell our audience where to find you. So today we're talking about strength-based IEPs, which to be honest, I don't know if in 17 years of IEPs, I've ever had anybody bring this up in terms of you know, our experience. So I'm looking forward to learning from you as well as what you have to share with our audience. So what is that and why does it matter? I'm so glad you were honest with me, Jessica, because I have to be honest with you. I was a school psychologist for about 20 years. And during that time of being a school psychologist, strength-based IEPs was not part of our repertoire in any district. And I've always been in California, so it's not part of the course. What's fascinating about strength-based IEPs is that the concept of this has been around for decades. And if you think about healthcare and you think about business, 
things that talk about person-centered planning, things that talk about what people want and consumer-based needs, that's part of the conversation. But when it comes to IEPs, we're still kind of in this deficit-based mode. So what I want to tell your listeners is to to find out if if your child or student really has a strength-based IEP is go pull up their IEP. Go get it out of the drawer, go pull it up off your computer and take a look. When you read the IEP, take a look at the language that's in there. So what does it say about your child? And the reason why it's so important to look at the language is that language forms the perceptions and the expectations for everybody at the table. So I know for myself as a parent, I would cry reading my child's assessment. I would cry reading the IEP because I'm like, this is not my child. Like, It seems like a robot. And that's because your intuitions are right. It's missing all those things about your child that they can do, whether it's their strengths, whether it's the amazing talents that they have. It's the everyday things that you see your child has as a mom and you see your student has in the classroom. And that's the thing that's missing from IEPs. So when I developed my company a couple years ago, I had been thinking about this and I was like, how can we change the process? And what's amazing is that in California, they've actually passed legislation to initiate strength-based IEPs, but it's in the beginning phases. And in many other states, they're talking about it, but it's not there. And so when you look at your child's IEP, here's what you want to do. Go to what's called the present levels of academic achievement or performance called PLOF. It's the section where they talk about all the different things that your child can do. And most of the time when you read it, the language you're going to see is can't do this, exhibits this behavior, tantrums, you know, doesn't attend, isn't motivated, can't, can't, no, no. What you want to find and what you want to capitalize on is the stuff that says April is able to do this. April has strengths in this area, not just my personality or my temperament, but what can I do? What am I good at? And when we change the language in the IEP, then that means the present levels will change. The teacher that reads your child's IEP will have different expectations. You as a parent will read your child's IEP and be happier and pleased because it's going to assume and presume that they are competent, which is what we want. And that when they form the rest of the IEP, whether it's the goals or the accommodations, it gives us a plan. In the business world, we don't talk about what we're not going to do. We're talking about what are we going to do differently? How are we going to adjust this? Whether it's an Amazon package or something else that we're ordering, it's all about the setups. So in a strength-based IEP, we focus on the child's strengths what they can do, what they can't do, which are the unique learning needs that's still there and that's still a part of them, but it's not everything. And then we focus on opportunities. What do we want to do differently? So if April is going to expect to attend, what are the setups? What are the things that the teacher needs to do so that I can attend? I can't just attend on my own. I need supports and I need what's called underlying performance conditions. I need things set up so I can attend. So when we use a strength-based IEP, we actually make it more achievable with our children. We make it more inclusionary and we celebrate neurodiversity instead of pigeonholing kids with diagnosis and medical things and low expectations. So that's pretty much what a strength-based IEP is. 
So let me play devil's advocate. I know that I distinctly remember the feeling of, I just want to share with the team how great my kid is. So I appreciate this. And what about the fact that we need to also emphasize their struggles so that we are getting the proper supports, accommodations, or services? You're absolutely right, Jessica. And so part of the thing with a strength-based IEP is that some people perceive, oh, we're only focusing on strengths. We're only talking about what they can do. And a strength-based IEP, if you think about it, we have to kind of quadrant the language. So I use what's called the SWOT analysis, which in the business world has been around forever. So you start with the present levels, let's say, because we're all still looking at our child's IEP. What can April do, right? What am I great at? That's going to tie into accommodations. That's going to show the team the setups for the goals, for the SDIs, for all those different areas. And then we go into unique learning needs. So that's still there. That doesn't change, but the unique learning needs are not everything. We can't craft a goal saying April is not going to do this. That doesn't do anything. So the next part of the SWOT analysis is the opportunities for learning. So what are we going to do differently? And then what are the threats or what I call the barriers to learning? So because if I have a diagnosis or my medical needs, so a strength-based IEP actually looks at the whole child. And then when you formulate the goal, you formulate everything else you have in there, everything that you need So it actually makes a more measurable IEP, it makes a more relevant IEP, and it makes it more what's called sufficiently comprehensive IEP without having the negativity and honestly, the words in there that are just, there's no validity to say, okay, well, April can't attend, April can't do this. What are we going to do with that? It means nothing. So the language changes because the language is actually more structured and more user and ultimately consumer friendly. And our kids and parents are the consumers. Okay. That's so good. That's so good. So what are three things that parents can do right now to improve the education plans? That's a great question. So you're looking at your child's IEP and you're like, okay, I knew it in my heart. This is not what I wanted. It it still makes me cry when I read it. What can I do about it? You can do so much. So an IEP is structured depending on the district you're in. It has a certain structure. We can't change that structure per se. You can at a legislation level, but as a parent level, this is the structure we have. But you can absolutely work with your team to change the language. How do you do that? When you request for your next meeting or when you're having an annual come up or an, even an eligibility meeting for your child, when you submit paperwork before and you're like, this is what I want the team to talk about, use that language in there. Say that you want this section to be put into the parent concern section or what I like to call the parent input section because it's not just about concerns. And when you read the IEP that you get in front of you at the meeting, look at the language that they say. If there's words in there, like I used to see words all the time that are just so common, when April is motivated or when April tries, she can do it. And I told the team, you know what? This language is not only damaging because my child was looking at me and he's like, that's so rude. (laughs) And I said, you're right. And so I asked the team, I said, this language doesn't tell us what to do. Let's remove the language and use something that's measurable and achievable. And they were like, okay. So they changed the language. So you can put in requests to change the language. You can submit paperwork 
before the meeting saying, I want this reviewed and considered. Here's my parent report. I'm talking about this. And my child is amazing at whether it's Minecraft or different activities, or maybe they're excelling in math. I want my child to be using those strengths when they're capturing you know, the goals. So those are definitely three things that you can do. And if you're a teacher and you're an admin and you're listening to this, you can absolutely talk to your team and say like, you know what? I'm looking at these IEPs and our parents are crying at meetings. This is telling us something. It's telling us that the way that we're structuring our language is not working and parents are unhappy. So we want to decrease litigation and we want to make our parents more satisfied with the program. So we're going to work on the language. And ultimately, strength-based IEPs do not take more work. They're not more complicated to write. It's just a different approach to the language. So you can ask for that ahead of time. Like if, if you're well into this journey, like me, it's never too late, right? It's never too late. It's never too late to okay. advocate. So if you have a meeting coming up next month, you can always put in a request early and say, hey, I've got this right up here. I'd like you to review and consider it at the meeting. Or I'd like a copy of my drafts before the meeting so that I can fully participate in the meeting. And then you can look at the paperwork before and be like, this sounds awesome. Or, oh my gosh, that is so offensive. Like, please, let's remove this. So does that mean that everyone on the team will also submit feedback in terms of your child's strengths when you request this? So you've got OT, PT, speech, teacher, general ed teacher, or whatever. Does that mean everyone will submit or contribute to this? Absolutely. So if you ask for paperwork, let's say talking about drafts, you have a right as a parent to ask for all the paperwork before and it doesn't mean you get the entire education plan because that's what's called predetermination, but you can get the present levels page. So if it's an annual IEP, you can request for it early. And if they don't have it, okay, well, then we're, we're going to have to table this and we'll have to have another meeting to talk about it. So if you get the paperwork before, it works both ways. They know kind of what you're asking for and you have time to actually look through the documents instead of like racing through like we all do of like 50 pages and where do I sign? And then afterwards you're like, what just happened? Like, I have no idea what happened. So you can absolutely work with your team. And sometimes it's, it's going to be a rub and not everybody has the same perception. And that's totally part of it. But at the same time, if you're the first one, it's okay to say, this is what I would like the team to explore. And this is an area that my child really excels in. How can we capitalize this in their education plan? When did strength-based IEPs even come into the picture as, as an opportunity or as an option? Well, I think this year or last year is when legislation passed in California, at least, but I've been seeing for the past five or six years, several different states talk about initiatives for strength-based IEPs. And prior to that, like I said, in the research realm for education, I've seen papers done on strength-based IEPs for at least 20 years. But like I had talked about early on, in terms of being a practicing school psychologist and being in many schools, it was never talked about. Like it was just kind of, what is that? <laughs> And so tell us, what are the positive outcomes? Obviously, it makes the IEP process a little bit more palatable for the parents because I know that feeling of always getting choked up at every IEP, <laughs> always. 
what are some of the positive outcomes that you're seeing or hearing about or is projected? So in the research, when I've read the research on strength-based IEPs, there's a lot of statistically significant research saying that, first of all, the expectations are highly different for teachers and admin. So when you work in a school and your child, the student has an IEP, you usually get to look at at least a portion of the IEP at the beginning of the year, you sign off on it. So I can remember myself being a teacher and looking at the paperwork thinking, okay, this is what I should expect. So if the teacher expects less, that means they're going to ask your child less questions, they're going to expect less, and they might not give them the right attention for their needs. So that is a huge barrier to kids learning. So having a strength-based IEP means perceptions change. It means in the research that I've done that they've actually improved children in terms of having access to inclusionary opportunities. So because there was a strength-based IEP, they might have not been pulled out of gen ed and put into a resource class. They might have been kept into their special day class instead of been asked to be into a class off campus. So having a strength-based IEP is not just perceptions and parents, it's also actual placement issues and how it impacts the child directly. And the most important thing, at least as a parent I can think, is when our kids sit in the meetings, whatever age they start coming, when they're hearing the language that's spoken about them, it really impacts them. So hearing things that they're talking about where, yeah, this is a hard thing for you. We're going to work on this. Or this is an area that you really excel in and we want to capitalize it. Imagine the impact it would have versus reading the statements that you and I see all the time with our kids, you know, impact their self-esteem, their self-confidence is, you can't measure that. That's wonderful. That's really, really wonderful. We have a little bit of time left. April, is there anything else along these lines about strength-based IEPs that you want to make sure that you say? Or anything else about IEPs? That's a giant question, right? That's a very (laughs) open-ended question. But um, um, yeah, anything that stands out to you as you've begun coaching parents the last few years? Yeah. So in thinking about coaching, what I really find amazing is the parent journey. And so many parents, myself included as a parent, were taught that at the IEP table that we're kind of put on the sidelines, given the paperwork to review, and we look to the experts for information and advice. And what I've learned through the coaching experience and what I've learned as a parent is that parents actually make the most amazing advocates. And there's a few reasons for this. The first is we know our child better than anyone else. So when you sit at the IEP, it doesn't matter if someone has a million credentials. You've been raising your child since they've been a baby, or you're a grandma or you're a caregiver. You know them so well. You do not have to have a credential to know your child better than anyone else. So because of that, we also have access to a ton of information in our head in terms of progress rates and monitoring. So even if we're not privy to all the educational terms that everyone else on the table is saying, you have just as much information as everyone else. How do we capitalize that and how do we capture that? That's something that's a learned skill. So as a parent, as a caregiver, you can learn to advocate for your child and you don't have to be angry and you don't have to be upset and you can be an amazing advocate and firm in your beliefs 
and also be able to work with the rest of the team and be just as powerful at the table. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that I've learned from the coaching experience is that having parents transform themselves from feeling angry and upset at the table to empowered. And at least I got through the meeting. I didn't lose it. I'm going to go have myself a glass of wine because I did it. Like that in itself (laughs) is like the most amazing thing instead of the rest of us that leave the meeting and we're like, oh my gosh, that was awful. (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, well, thank you for that encouragement and empowerment. What has changed historically in terms of IEPs, where, where we were decades ago and where we are today? That's a great question. So when I, from my own frame of reference, when I started in the business more than 20 years ago, they were actually writing IEPs by hand. <laughs> so oh if gosh. you're as old as I am, you might remember triplicates and things like that in the classroom where they would kind of roll over and duplicate things. So that's kind of how they did an IEP. And it would be, even for a child with complex medical needs, it might be a two-page document. And when I first started out, I looked at this and I'm like, why are these so simple? And then I started to realize year after year that IEPs became longer. They became more complex. There was more expectations. And sometimes more isn't better. So what I've noticed over the past 20 years is that because of the litigation, because of the complexity, it can pose some amazing opportunities for children and and parents to get more services and also some barriers. So along with all these amazing rights that we have, there's also these challenges to navigate the process and to feel comfortable at the table. So I've kind of seen this dichotomy come out of special ed where there's amazing opportunities and then there's more challenges along the way because we've expanded so much on the IEP documents themselves. I see. I see. Okay. And April, you have some courses that you offer, correct, for parents? Yes. So when I created Rise Educational Advocacy, I wanted to do things differently for families. So instead of having to go out and hire an advocate in your neighborhood or hire an IEP coach in your neighborhood, that you could get the information you needed while you're doing laundry, while instead of watching a Netflix show, maybe when you're in the pickup line. So I created one-day courses where you can complete the information on your own. And there's four different courses that I offer, and they're all much more reasonable than having to pay thousands of dollars out for an individual. The first course I offer, the most, most in-demand one that everyone wants to know is how to request testing, right? So that focuses on how do we start with the process? What are the steps? What do I need to do? What do I need to say? And how do I get an assessment that's awesome? And how do I get through to IEP land without pulling my hair out or waiting years? The second course that I offer is called Understanding Reports. And it focuses on special education assessments because they're really hard to read. And like we were talking about, you tend to cry when you read them. So I focus on the back end of what they are. And then I also focus on how can we change them into create them into strength-based IEPs? And how can we really participate as families in the actual assessment process so that you get the assessment you're looking for and the child gets the whole picture when it comes to testing? The third course focuses on parent participation. This is my course in terms of having parents feeling empowered, teaching them how to write letters that get noticed, teaching them how to structure their communication so it's not, I'm so mad, I'm so upset, but it's focused, it's concise, 
and it gets the district to respond and keeping your sanity at the same time. And then my last course is called IEP meetings. And this focuses on the IEP itself from when you get a meeting notice to the parts of the IEP, how to respond. What if a teacher walks out in the middle of the meeting? It's all these little things and it helps parents with templates, with guides and with bite-sized learning that is a lot easier to digest than like a two-hour webinar. That sounds so good. Where can our audience find all of this? So riseeducationaladvocacy.com, that is my website, and you can check out our course library. And then if you want to reach out to me for IEP coaching or you're part of a nonprofit or a school and you want to hire me to train your group, it's riseeducationaladvocacy.com backslash contact. Great. Oh, thank you so much. You are a wealth of information. You are so welcome, Jessica. We have to do this together because it is... um, it's such a challenge having kids with IEPs and we have to work together. Otherwise, it's just we just feel so alone like you talk about all the time. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for helping to educate us and encourage us and empower us, April. And let's definitely plan to have you back. You are so welcome. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks so much for listening today. Do us a favor and leave us a review and a rating so that this podcast can get into the ears and the hearts of more and more moms. Did you know that Brave Together podcast is an extension of our nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? We Are Brave Together serves an international community of caregiving moms by offering support groups that are virtual and in-person, educational resources, and low-cost weekend retreats. To join us today, go to wearebravetogether.org. Our support and sisterhood await you. Brave Together podcast is for entertainment and education purposes only and is not a substitute and should not be relied on for medical or mental health advice. The use of any content on our podcast linked in our show notes or on our website is to be done at your own personal risk. Please seek out a professional to assess your own medical or mental health concerns because we are all beautifully complex and the content of this podcast is for a broad audience.